Hey there. I wanted to pop on before today's episode to interrupt with a message about what's been happening in the world and with our businesses and everything that's been going on in the online community. I just wanted to take a minute and talk about that before I jump into an episode this week because, of course, it's really important that we're talking about what's going on with the world. So as scary of a time as we're in, as unprecedented as things may be right now, something is happening in the entrepreneur community and the teacher community that I'm so proud of. I have never been more proud to be a part of this community. This incredible thing happened where just as teachers all over the United States were reaching out to the online community asking for help because suddenly we were told to plan weeks worth of independent study for our students to try to recreate the experiences they were having at school, sometimes with only hours to pull all of that together. Teachers started to reach out and call on one another for help. And in response, our entrepreneur community, teachers who have already been creating digital products and working online a lot, came together to create resources, to curate resources, to get everything ready for at-home learning for their own classrooms, and to answer that call to service for other teachers. And everyone scrambled to put together quality resources. Even though we were short on time, we wanted to make sure they were still valuable for students. I saw teachers giving free workshops to help their fellow teachers figure out navigating e-learning to offer their support in any way, and it just absolutely touched my heart that we were able to come together in this way to truly be a community, to put competition aside, to put any sort of, uh, any kind of arguing or disagreeing, not that anybody argues, but any sort of disagreeing or drama went to the side so that we could serve the overall community of educators and ultimately students and for their own safety and for our safety as well. So whether you put out a freebie or you put your TPT products on sale, maybe you did a blog post or you pointed out some resources that would be valuable for a teacher in your niche, I wanted to just take a minute before I jumped into the podcast today to thank you for your contribution to this amazing community. This was a time where we needed each other more than ever And that call to service was answered in a major way. It's something to truly be proud of. Of course, you know, we had to answer that call, right? We have that special teacher hustle. Of course, we came together and made this happen because teachers rule. And now we've got uh, a lot of us. We've got a couple of weeks in front of us where we have some unplanned time, some time that we have to figure out how we're going to structure our days and how we're going to help our students from home, how we're going to uh, kind of keep our own children in some sort of routine and how we're going to keep ourselves and our online businesses in a routine. And I realize that this is all new and this is really uncharted territory, but I have this feeling that we're all in it together. And I would like to commit to supporting all of you in whatever business venture you decide to do or not do while you have this time. Uh, I am here for you, and I will be putting out some resources to help you plan your time to stay sane and to grow your business. Uh, I know that for some of us, this means, and for a lot of small businesses, this means this is going to be a time where we may see a lull in sales, where we may see things um, slow down. I know that brick-and-mortar businesses 
are really um, scared, struggling. Everybody is scared and struggling in this time, but I want us to come together and really use this time productively and see it as a gift. And I hope that I can help you see it that way. Uh, I will be putting together lots of resources to help you do that. And I'm here for you. And I know we're all here for one another. So glad to have you here on this Monday morning. And let's just take the gift of the next 20 minutes or so to learn from one of the best teachers out there that knows all about organization. So whether you're tackling organization at home, organization in the classroom, or she's also going to talk to us about finding our niche. We're going to hear all about that on today's podcast episode. So thinking of you all and thank you for being here. You guys are going to love today's podcast with Erin from Organized and Elementary. She's talking to us all about how she pivoted from talking to second grade teachers in general, sort of a generalist, to a much more niched down area where she talks about how to declutter your classroom and set systems up in your classroom for organization that help to save you time both at school and in getting home and with your business at home. So we're going to talk two things today. We're going to talk about the business side of things, how she decided to niche down, what that was like, how she made that decision, how she stepped out as a thought leader in her niche, in her new niche, how she actually made the change in her name. And then we're also going to talk about organization in the classroom. So you're going to get tips about both pieces of Erin's business and her decision. And I want to tell you that if you have been thinking about niching down, I have the perfect email mini course for you. It is totally free. It's a set of four emails you're going to get where we break down how to figure out exactly what is your niche. What is the thing that you should be showing up to talk about online? What's your specialty area? I have four steps to help you really get at this. And if you think that you've niched down, here's how you know if it's not your true light bulb moment niche. If it feels a little bit messy, if it feels like you're not really sure what you should be talking about online, if it feels like you're all over the place, if it feels like you're having trouble connecting with your audience and that you're not really getting known for one thing, you might need some niche work. So if you think that's you, it's totally free. Go to alyssamcdonald.com slash niche to get in on that challenge and that email mini course. It starts April 6th. So April 6th, you will get those emails. And then we're going to have some workshops in my free Facebook group to help you work through some of those steps and really finally nail your niche for good. It's called Nail Your Niche Bootcamp. We are getting it done by the end of those four emails. By the end of that week, you are going to know what your niche is. And I hope Erin will inspire you to do that. She and I work together closely as she was pivoting in her business. She's a THU crew member. And we had a couple coaching calls together where we worked through this. So I'm so excited to have her here today to talk to you about her journey to niching down. How can we as creative educators and entrepreneurs find our authentic voice, get real in a world where real is hard to come by and share our vision all while making some serious money and keeping it all balanced? Hey, hey, it's Alyssa with the Teacher Hustle podcast. If you're new here, welcome. Thanks for taking a chance on me. 
I'm a fifth grade teacher, toddler mom, and serial entrepreneur. I'm answering all your burning questions and bringing you simple business tips, mindset shifts, and inspiration to help you turn your passion into an income that makes an impact without being overly complicated. You know that one thing you can't stop talking about? We are going to share it with the world. So grab a cup of coffee and let's bring your wildest ideas to life. All right, I want to welcome Erin to the podcast. Erin is a part of the Teacher Hustle You crew, so I kind of forced her to come on here and talk to you guys because she had such a big win uh, with kind of nailing her niche, and I also wanted to have her come on and talk to us about organizing our classrooms. Those are two of her kind of specialties, but I'll let you, Erin, tell us a little bit about your business and your journey to where you got today, and then we'll kind of jump into the other stuff. Of course. Thank you so much for inviting me on today. I am so excited about this opportunity to share. Um, As Alyssa said, I'm Erin from Organized in Elementary, and I started my online teacher business, although I will note now that it looks a lot different today than it did when I started it, because I wanted to be able to connect with educators and to have the opportunity to collaborate way past the four walls of my classroom. And I've always been someone who has loved sharing strategies and best practices with teachers. And so I was really excited when I began creating resources that I shared on the popular website, Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm sure you've heard of it. And when I started on Teachers Pay Teachers, I also started a small blog and was really energized about the community aspect. I'm all about the community and sharing my ideas. And I was going really strong with creating resources for first and second grade for two years. And then we had a couple of life changes. My daughter started kindergarten and I switched schools. And when I did that, I started teaching sixth grade. And so my resources and my blogging came to a complete stop. I was in uncharted territory. I'd never done this grade level. I felt like I really didn't have much to share. So I just stopped sharing altogether. And I would get a random sale from Teachers Pay Teachers every once in a while, but I completely deleted my blog and got really focused on finishing grad school and caring for my growing family. And if I'm being honest, I just pushed my teacherpreneurship dreams to the back of my mind and kept on living like they never even existed. So it wasn't until 2019 when my husband and I made the decision that I was going to stay home with our babies that I picked up my business again. And at first, I jumped right back into where I left off by creating an Instagram account in February of 2019. And I started to make, sell, and market my resources for primary teachers again. But fast forward 11 months And I just wasn't seeing the growth that I was hoping for. So I refocused and took inventory of where I was in three months ago, (laughs) which sounds kind of crazy, but yes, you heard (laughs) that right. Three months ago, which I'll go into more later, um, Organized in Elementary was born. And this new business is really cool because it allows me to help teachers to foster classroom communities create organizational systems and rhythms that their students are able to interact with and care for. And it really just allows for the optimal levels of teaching and learning to occur. 
And I love not only being able to walk teachers through this step-by-step process of creating these rhythms, but also showing them that they can really cultivate a community of students who help maintain and really care for the systems that are put into place. And all of that together really energizes me. I love that your story is so real and probably so familiar to many of the listeners where you kind of start out with these big dreams and then life happens and it gets in the way and you're like, oh, oh, never mind, especially when you were so honest about you had the blog, but you just didn't know what to do next. So you just stopped altogether. And for a lot of us, I think being on maternity leave was like the big push to get back to it. It was the same story for me with my when my first was born, I thought I was going to like relax and hang out with him and chill on my maternity leave. But no, I was kicked into high gear. I was like, let's do this. Let, what, what am I doing next? He's napping a lot. Now that they're both moving, it's a little harder, but you know, it definitely kicks you into high gear. And so you mentioned that three months ago, you had that shift from speaking kind of in general to like first and second grade to talking about classroom organization. So thinking about the business aspect of that first, and then we can get into the classroom organization part, you decided to be more niche focused. So you took it down from pretty broad first grade, second grade to really specific organized in elementary. So can you tell us what uh, led you to that decision? And how did you decide on that particular niche of classroom organization? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned before that I definitely just need a huge pivot in my business and what I offer. And honestly, I'm so excited to talk about this because I get really fired up about sharing this piece of my journey to literally anyone who asks. Anyone who's like, what's a niche? How do I niche? I'm like, oh, me, me, me. Let's pick me. (laughs) So, okay. So for years, my business was extremely generalized because I adored teaching first grade. I adored teaching second grade. And I thought that since that is what I was doing on a daily basis, I would share tips about how to be a second grade teacher and really everything, like everything that went along with it. I would share about the projects I was doing, what resources I was using, how to celebrate different holidays in the classroom, what books we were reading, and even like through classroom management in there. It was everything in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. And I was creating and selling the resources that were working really well in my classroom, no matter what it was. And from my then limited understanding about how to care for my audience, that was the perfect thing to do. Like I was showing them everything that I was doing and thought like they were going to love what I was saying, which I'm sure a lot of people did. But when I started staying home, I continued to grow my store and I would make a bit more money each month, definitely more than I was making when I was inactive. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't say that there was anything significant about the way that I was connecting with other educators or the impact that I was making. And in the back of my mind, growing in deeper community with educators was something that I was longing for, but at the same time was really confused how to achieve. I just didn't know how to get there. And so here's where the three months ago pops in. Um, It wasn't really until January 1st, to be exact, when I was talking with a group of mom friends and I had this light bulb moment and I felt like my purpose and my passion connected. And I thought to myself, Erin, you are sitting on a gold mine of information and you're keeping it to yourself, but it's time to share it with the world. And as cliche as it may sound, the whole new year, new you, 
a theme was driving me to get laser focused on the purpose for all the spaces in my house. So I was working with these moms through this decluttering challenge. And as I was working through the process in my house, I was like, don't really have much to declutter here. Like we were all sharing our progress and I was like, well, (laughs) already done. (laughs) Already done. And I felt like I do this really well in my house. And I remember doing this really well in my classroom also. And the principals in my schools would literally bring other teachers into my classroom to see what I was doing, to see what systems I had created. So why am I not sharing that now with all the educators that could really benefit for it? And in retrospect, I was recognizing that for years, I've been helping these teachers with this entire process of setting up their classroom, of creating rhythms and managing a classroom, because that's something that they were coming to me for repeatedly. But until that exact moment, I'd really never thought of myself as an expert by any means, definitely not somebody with enough information to share. And it was like, I finally was able to connect what I love doing and what I was really naturally gifted at doing and connect it to what people were asking me to help them with. And so that is how the idea behind Organize in Elementary was born. And here we are today. I want you to remember January 1st forever because I think it's funny, this light bulb moment that we talk about probably seems to some people like this elusive light bulb moment. When is that going to happen for me? And and sometimes it can feel like it's something that just pops out of nowhere. And sometimes it does. Like you said, you're motivated by something else, but mm-hmm. it always, I think that it always feels a little bit messy right before you come to the light bulb moment. So I think I've mentioned this in episodes before, but If someone who's listening is in this spot where they're feeling like this doesn't quite feel right, I'm trying to put everything out there in my TPT store or on social media, and I don't really know what direction I'm going in, and I don't feel like I'm helping anyone, your light bulb moment is probably right around the corner. Like you're probably really close. It gets really messy before you figure it out, and then something clicks where you realize, hey, this is something that I like how you said purpose meets passion. This is something that I'm really good at, that teachers need, and that I can actually put into the world and make a significant difference. So sometimes teachers can feel like when they pivot to a niche that's really, we call it niche really niched down, uh, it can feel sort of limiting. Like I'm not, you know, I can't talk about anything else. I have to only talk about this one small thing. Any advice for somebody who feels limited by switching to a more niche down name or, you know, subject area? Yes, I can really relate to the people who are experiencing that belief, which actually in itself is limiting because that's exactly how I felt. So the whole idea in the beginning behind having such a broad niche, or at least what I thought to be a niche of generalized second grade, made me feel like I would have limitless advice to share and that I would never run out of people to talk to. But the really ironic part about that is that it was completely hindering my ability to connect because people didn't know what they should come to me for. If they were struggling with the flow of centers, I could have helped them with that. But would they have known it? (laughs) Absolutely not. I was limiting my ability to help and to make a significant impact because I was just offering way too much information. And although that seems so backwards now saying it out loud, it is a hundred percent accurate. So it wasn't until I decided that I was going to talk about one thing that I have the most information to offer that I really began to serve my audience well. And so to answer your question by doing that, I am 
I guess you could say I'm really repeating myself, repeating information over and over again, but I'm also sharing about other things that make up my brand, like my love for my Peloton and spending time with my family. But I think about repetition this way and we probably all do. Would we as educators ever walk into a classroom, sit our students down for a lesson, give them a piece of information and say, everybody got it? Good. (laughs) Because that's not how the human brain works. And we all know that. We know that when we're delivering content in different ways and when we are repeating ourselves, we're helping with the processing and the information processing and understanding of it. And so why wouldn't we do the same thing when we're talking about our business? Plus, when it comes to classroom organization, I have way more things to talk about than just how to use cute labels on your drawers. So, for example, I can break down several topics to talk about with my audience, like how to create intention in your space or ensuring that every item in your room has a purpose and is relevant and that the ways that they're stored adds to the functionality. Um, I can talk about including your students in the management and the use of your environment and how to help foster autonomy and responsibility when it comes to caring for it. So the point I'm trying to make is that narrowing down my focus has done everything but limit what I talk about. In fact, it's really allowed me to laser focus on what teachers are coming to me to better understand. And in doing so, has really allowed the ideas regarding what content I'm going to be sharing to flow like never before. Actually, my content calendar is bursting at the seams. <laughs> like, Can't fit it all in. So it's like narrowing my focus has expanded my creativity. And that's honestly the opposite of what I expected to happen. Yes, I definitely can relate to that. And I think that repetition is what builds our brand. That repetition gives our audience clarity and it gives us clarity and it gives us that pass to creativity because we can break down all the different pieces of our niche and then that becomes our content plan. So thank you for that advice. Uh, The biggest hurdle for you, and I know we talked about this a little bit, was actually in changing the name. And some people, when they pivot to a more niche area, they do, they go all in, they change their name, they change, if they're a TPT seller, they change their store name, their blog name. But some people are, have been working at that a long time. So it can be a bit of a struggle. And you had already built a pretty large audience, especially on Instagram under your old name, which was my sweet seconds, right? Yeah. Yep. And so how did you make that scary decision to actually switch everything over to the more niche name organized in elementary? Right. So it was definitely a scary process. And I remember when I was on a coaching call with you and you mentioned it in my mind, I'm like nodding and like, yeah, that sounds great, Alyssa. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it was for sure the scariest part of the entire process, because like you said, I knew that by changing my name, I was going to really have to commit to my purpose. And that meant leaving the comfort of what I'd known for so many years, but it was totally worth it. So Although I was never able to really connect with my My Sweet Seconds audience to the scale that I had hoped for, I had definitely connected with them to some extent. And so I was worried that those who I had built relationships with might feel not so connected to me anymore or feel like I was just leaving them behind to pursue something different. And it wasn't really until I thought more about that that I realized that the primary teachers that I had already been connecting with would actually be able to benefit on a completely different level from the content that I was going to begin sharing. And in that reality, I would be serving them better and not leaving them behind. Um, 
And so that was the point that really drove my decision. Because as I've said a couple of times already tonight, that I value the relationships that I built with teachers over the years. And I was just beginning to get really excited about being able to care for them better by providing them with the clarity that comes from the understanding of how I can best help them on a daily basis. And on top of that, I will say it was definitely the best business move that I could have ever made. It's so interesting how everything started to fall into place for you after the name change. It was like, would you say the name change really was the thing that the floodgates opened? Like people recognized it's the type of name organized in elementary where people say, oh, I need that as soon as they read the name. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And that means you don't have to put in as much work in your messaging. Now, if somebody's listening, sitting there thinking, you know what, I've built a really big audience under the name I have. I don't think a name switch is, is for me. Even if I do pivot to a new niche, you can still ha- you can still keep your name and, and pivot your niche. You just need to then work on your messaging a lot more. You just need to put yourself and your new message out there. But it's so much easier when your name puts your message out for you and you don't have to do quite as much work. So what was involved in kind of like the back end part of changing your name? Because I know there was a lot of technical stuff you had to go through. Was that worth it? Was it hard to do changing everything over? Yeah, I'm not going to lie and say it was definitely an easy thing to change my name because as an established business, I'd been my sweet seconds for so many years. There were a lot of behind the scenes changes that had to be made. And so I needed to check copyrights and trademarks first to make sure that the name that I even wanted was available. And then I had to change my name on my Instagram account, which I was so scared to click like, yes, because then I knew that my old name was gone and I was a new person. So I changed my name on Instagram. I changed my name on Teachers Sweet Teachers, which means that I had to go back and update my products and my terms of use, and which meant that I needed new logos and new graphics. And I had literally just launched my new blog, like not even a month before, um, which meant that I needed to buy a new domain and contact my blog designer. And during this process, I made a couple of promises to myself first. I promised myself that I wasn't going to let the anxiety behind the workload take away from the growth that I was so excited for. And I also knew that I would see the finish line eventually, and I was willing to take baby steps to get there. Baby steps over no steps. That's what I kept telling myself. I love it. That's the quote for this episode. Baby (laughs) steps over no steps. I like it. I also promised myself to work on one thing every day so that I would continue to move forward instead of standing still, which is really, really easy to do when you feel overwhelmed. Um, And I think one thing that helped me was to delegate out as much as I could and count that towards investing in my business. So I contacted my logo designer, sent her a really brief message of what I was looking for, and she took it from there, which felt like a huge, you know, piece off of my plate. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for my blog designer who probably thought it was crazy. Actually, she reached out to me. She saw my Instagram and she was like, Hey, (laughs) what's up? (laughs) She helped me navigate the process of the domain change and updating my blog. And so it wasn't easy by any means, but it was totally doable. And like I said, I had the idea for all this in January. We're now in the second week of March and everything's been updated. All the changes have been made. So totally seems like a lot, but also doable. And it doesn't take as long as you might think that it would take. 
And not only is your name changed over, but you have a following under your new niche already, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, I really love everything you said about just pushing through and a lot of this tech stuff and behind the scenes, you know, redoing your blog, all of those pieces can feel huge and can totally stop people in their tracks because it's hard and it truly is hard. But I love what you said about doing one thing every day and delegate it out. If it doesn't feel like a strength for you, if you can afford the business investment and you know that it'll be worthwhile, then hire somebody to do it because it gets done so much more quickly and then you don't have to stress over it. So I know the next question people are thinking is once you switched your name over and you made the decision to go with this new niche and pivot and now you're in this in these uncharted territories where you have to kind of step out as a thought leader. How did that work? How did you make some of your first, how did you take some of those first steps toward showing people that you really knew what you were talking about when it came to organizing the classroom? So (laughs) I jumped in because that's literally just the kind of person that I am. I go for it and I figure it out later. So my first announcement, I think I've already shared this with you, but it actually came even before I changed my name, which was probably a little confusing for all of my Instagram followers, but I invited them to join a challenge on a Facebook group that I had, that I had created five minutes prior to (laughs) inviting them. I was on my way home from the grocery store. I had the idea to get people involved in what I wanted to be doing. And so within 10 minutes, I made it a reality. And you don't have to sit on something for a long time to go for it. So um, I wanted to see if people who follow me were interested in what I wanted to offer. So I created a Facebook group called The Decluttered Classroom. And I told them that I was going to walk them through a challenge where day by day I would give them actionable steps to help them organize and to create a plan for functionality for their small group area. And to be honest, I didn't have the plan or any of the videos made, but I knew that I could, and I knew it was a strength of mine. So I offered it to see, you know, what the response would be. And it was a positive one. There were teachers who joined in to do this challenge with me. And after that, I've continued to add more challenges while I was working on my opt-in to keep them engaged. And my opt-in is a program called the seven steps to creating a decluttered and functioning classroom. And I think that for me, that is something in this new branding that I'm so proud of and something that I talk about constantly because um, it really helps teachers figure out how to do everything that I'm offering in a step-by-step actionable process. And while I was creating this, I was um, figuring out how to work the free version of MailChimp and beginning to build my email list. And honestly, within a week, I was invited to speak on a podcast about the impacts of organizational systems in the classroom, because that's how much I was talking about it. Um, There was a point, however, not long after I realized, um, not long after I had launched this new program that I realized that some of the teachers that I was really connected with before weren't downloading my opt-in. And of course, as a business owner, I wanted to figure out why. Why weren't they connecting with me? um, And why weren't they kind of following me over? So I did a couple of polls on Instagram and I realized that some people have systems in place in their classroom already that they believe work well enough and they don't have the energy or the time or so they don't think to work through this entire program. So for them, they wanted something smaller and that was a plan for maintenance. So I created another opt-in 
<clears throat> which I announced a couple of days before I launched it to keep myself accountable. And it was called the two minute classroom tune up. And I began marketing that as well and reaching out to the group that wasn't reaching in the seven step guide. And so with this business ship shift, the look of what I was posting on my blog and my Instagram and my Facebook all started to change really drastically. And I got to a spot where I was sure that any person who looked at any one of my platforms for connection would really understand how it was that I could help them and why they should take interest in my content. So it was more of a gradual change, I would say, than kind of like a hard shift. So much gold in there because, uh, first of all, the fact that you got invited on a podcast, can we just talk about the fact that that probably happened because not only because you are showing yourself as a thought leader in in this niche, I don't want to kind of undermine that, but it probably happened because you have such a clear niche. Mm -hmm. If you are talking to second grade teachers in general, and you're putting out all of these things as kind of a generalist podcast, people who are running podcasts aren't necessarily looking for that. They're looking for a specific topic. So your specific topic was so obvious that that's really something that somebody was attracted to. And down the line, you can pitch yourself for a podcast too. And just that's your topic. I also think that it's so smart to feel out your audience and put things out there before they're done. You said you put your opt-in, kind of the idea for your opt-in out before it was done. You put the idea for your challenge out before it was done. So smart because how many times have we sat there and created something and spent hours making it perfect only to find that that's not what our audience needed. And I also love that you created a second opt-in to meet the needs of the audience that wasn't connecting. So listening in and using polls to figure out what they do need and meeting them there. We can't, We can't meet people where they are if we don't know where they are. We have to ask them and we have to get involved and get connected. And so all of that works together to make this really nice uh, pivot that you've put into place. And you're already stepping out as a thought leader just by putting yourself out there. All awesome stuff. And then I have to hear about, now I know a little bit because I jumped right into the declutter your desk challenge that you put out. And I also decluttered my small group work area. Uh, I did this all in a matter of a few days because of you. So I want to shift into this because it was really life-changing. You know, it was life-changing for me as a teacher because I'm not actually that, I, when I first went to the, when I first took your challenge, I was like, you know what? I'm not that disorganized. It's not bad. Like it's fine. And then when I started implementing some of the tips, I realized I'm a more effective teacher with some of these systems in place. And that allows me to go home faster. Like at the end of the day, I can scoot home and then I can get stuff done in my business. So it's actually great for teaching and great for a business owner. And my desk is still clean. I just want to put my testimonial out there. This was, I don't know how many weeks ago, maybe a month ago, right? And my desk is still clean and I had several substitute teachers in between and I was able to clean up within like five minutes after they left. So tell us all a little bit more about your decluttered classroom challenges. Yeah, sure. So like I mentioned briefly, I created a group that I invited people to join on Facebook. And that was like my first way of reaching out. And it's called the Decluttered Classroom. And I really created it because I wanted educators to be able to collaborate and share ideas and share their wins and share their frustrations and all things classroom organization and classroom functionality. Um, So my dream is that the Decluttered Classroom will be the first place an educator goes 
when they need help, when they're struggling with the functionality of a specific area or the way things in their classroom are flowing. And I also use the group to host challenges where teachers have the opportunity to work on specific areas in their classroom. And they do it together at the same time. And so I think you've joined our small group and our teacher desk area so far. Um, yeah, so they all work together. I post videos daily, every day during the challenge with a tip and then an actionable task. And so the teachers are spending about 15 minutes a day working through it because I know that teachers are busy and that if I'm going to give them something to do, it's going to have to fit into their schedule. And my favorite part about it is that they share their before and afters and they really encourage each other and troubleshoot through the process. And I check in with them daily during the challenge with just a little emoji, like red heart if you killed it today, yellow heart if you try to work on it, but didn't get to spend as much time as you wanted, green heart if you're going to catch up tomorrow, something like that. So um, it's just a way to like remind them that I'm there, keep them accountable and just for them all to become cheerleaders for each other. I love the before and after pictures because it held me accountable. I took my before picture real quick and then I was I, I got distracted by something during my prep and I'm like, wait, nope, I need to get that done because I need to post my after picture to the group because it helped keep me accountable. And yeah. it was only 15 minutes, like you said, so it didn't even take my whole prep and it really truly only took me 15 minutes. You break it down into so many simple steps that, it's easy to accomplish. One of the, actually my favorite out of the two that I did was the keeping my desk clean challenge. Uh, and I just love the new systems that I have in place. And it took me just five minutes to really get it in place. And now it takes me five minutes to kind of clean it up. What are your tips for keeping our desks clear? Those of us who tend to hoard things on our desk. Yeah, so it's really easy actually for our desks to get crazy and cluttered because in a lot of classrooms or really in any office, like this goes for everybody who has a desk yes. or a workspace or anything. So a lot of times our desks serve as a landing spot for all the items that we don't really have specific or accessible places to be stored. And accessible is a big part because you might have a place for something to go, but if it's not accessible, chances are it's not going to go there. So the first thing that I recommend when working on a desk is to clear out the drawers. And that means taking out everything and dumping it because there are a lot of things in your desk drawers that you probably don't even know where they are, taking up room that could be used for something else. So I provide teachers with a list of questions that they should ask themselves when they consider an object about its purpose and its value. And was it functional at one time, but it just doesn't serve the same purpose anymore. And for a lot of teachers, again, there are so many items in their desk that they haven't used in over six months. And that's like my limit. If you haven't used it in six months, it's got to go. Yeah. Um, they're taking up space that could be used much more efficiently. And so they need to be recycled. Or if it pains you to see it go, just give it away to somebody. That might help like the actual action of thinking that it's going to help somebody else. And once teachers have their drawers in order, I move them onto the top of the desk and I have them draw a picture of how they would want their ideal desktop to look and how they would want it to function. And that's a big step because a lot of times people will draw like little knickknacks and things on their desk and then be like, that serves no function. Why is that there? So I remember, I remind them during this step not to take more than two personal items and place them on top of their desk. Because as teachers, we have a lot of knickknacks, we might have photos, we might have coffee mugs, but 
we don't want them to start to clutter our space. So it's important to be really mindful of that. And I also don't suggest storing papers on the desk because if you do, it's really easy to start these endless piles with random papers that you just don't know what to do with. And again, this teacher desk was my favorite to see the before and afters because they were literally so mind-blowingly different and really excited for the teachers who didn't have space to work or to grade and were doing them at a student's desk at the end of the day or a small group table and now they've like found all this space and it's just really efficient. You know for me I have the the rainbow set of drawers behind my desk. I didn't realize how big I had made my desk area. I have this tiny little desk because I wanted I used to not have a desk at all right. I would be at the at the small group table. This is my desk. I'm like a no desk teacher, but really I was taking over the whole small group table. So this year I put a little table as my desk. And then I realized that I had taken that plastic set of drawers, filled that up. And then I took like the back counter behind my desk, put my papers there. And as I started to clear off thinking I was so neat and organized, I'm thinking, no, actually my desk is taking up this entire corner and I need to cut it down. But the drawers going through, first of all, yes, I had stuff from 2007 in there. (laughs) Also, I'm getting ready to go on maternity leave. So I feel so much better leaving the sub with drawers that are like labeled and it's actually things that she might need and she'll be able to find it. But I have to tell you the funniest story is, um, so when I did this a couple months ago, I have like a personal drawer at the top with like band-aids and my stuff, right? That the kids can't Mm -hmm. get into and that my comb and like my makeup and my deodorant. Well, there were about 17 things of hand sanitizer in there. I don't know where I accumulated them over the years. So you're probably not working there, probably expired. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to toss them. Like Aaron would just want me to toss them. And now hand sanitizer is going like anybody will take hand sanitizer. I probably could have sold them for $80 a pop. But really don't be afraid to throw things out because most of the time you will not need it if you haven't used it in six months, like you said. Uh, I had, I definitely had a ton of papers behind my desk. What would you suggest we do with papers? We don't want them on our desk. So how do we keep those papers organized? Yeah, that's a good question. Paper is something that can cause a ton of clutter without you even really understanding that it's happening. Like you put a little pile here, a pile here, and then all of a sudden it's like Mount Rushmore of papers everywhere. So when it comes to paper, I like to say, have a place for everything and put everything in its place. So If you see papers piling up, you should first take inventory about the different types of paper that are coming in and out of your classroom. So do you have a lot of student data? Do you have a lot of lesson plan material that you want to keep? Do you have professional development documents or is it curriculum for the week? What is it that is all the paper in your classroom? And once you have an idea about the types of papers that you have, you can think about the best way to store them. So you can use a variety of different filing systems, whether that be folders or drawers, an actual filing cabinet, or an expanding file folder system, or my favorite, the 10 drawer system, which is a rainbow system that you were talking about. Um, But whatever it is, make sure that it's accessible and clearly labeled. And from there, I want you to follow the one-touch rule. And you have to be really strict about this, but the one-touch rule is – Basically, that you should touch each piece of paper one time and one time only before it reaches its intended destination. So, for example, if you've just gone to a professional development, you're handed a few sheets of paper, take them back to your room 
and do not put them on top of your desk. <laughs> put them into the filing system in the spot that you have designated for this type of paper, or if you need to refer to it a lot, you might choose to display it somewhere that you can e easily reference. But again, I'm going to repeat, do not put it into a pile on your desk because if you do, number one, you're creating clutter little by little. And number two, you won't know where to find it when you need it. So it will almost automatically lose its effectiveness and its purpose. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely put two papers on my desk today from my PD that I went to yesterday. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go to school tomorrow and find a spot for those for sure. Uh, and so all of these systems definitely help us be more effective inside the classroom when we're teaching, when we're trying to get home and get things done when we have a sub. What about at home since we're business owners and we probably have a second space at home or some of us don't really have a designated space. And so we've got, we're like kind of traveling with our business. We've got our laptop and our papers and planners and things. Any suggestions for keeping our business organized at home? Yeah, I would say either, either in the classroom or in your business, kind of the same mindset should follow you. There's actually a scientific term for having way too much stimuli in our environment, and that can happen when you're working on your business or when you're in your classroom, and that term is sensory overload. Mm -hmm. So when you just need to sit down and work and focus, if you have too many things in your environment, not only are you having to deal with the constant catch-up that occurs when you don't have a place or a purpose for every item, but you're also battling a higher stress level, a lower ability to focus on the task at hand, a block in your creativity, and all of that's going to impact your business. So once people work through the process of creating systems and all of a sudden feel like they have this new sense of inspiration and drive and peace in their environment, I know that they're experiencing the true freedom from the weight that their space may consciously or even subconsciously be, in, be placing on their shoulders. So my advice would be to be really, really intentional about every single thing that's in your workspace. Think through its purpose. Is it relevant? Is it helpful? Is it adding to your creativity and your drive and your peace? And if not, it's got to either find a different home or be trashed or recycled. Yeah. And I think I need to get my, my traveling office clutter down to a minimum because when I'm trying, I work off of, I kind of don't have a designated space right now. So I'm like at the kitchen table one day and then I'm at, we have like a little bar. I'm at that the next day. Then I'm at a desk in my room the next day, depending on where the kids are and where Matt wants to be. But I need to get like my traveling business work system down and be intentional with what I'm taking with me because that just ends up kind of cluttering my area. And you're so right. We can't think. We can't think when we've got all of that clutter. I want to personally request that your next challenge be the teacher bag challenge, please. Can we, can we clear those out? Because yeah, that would that be a much easier morning and night. Yeah. All right. If listeners want to find out more about how to declutter their classroom, where can they get more info? How do they start? Where should they go? Um, yeah. So first, thanks again so much for having me. This has been so much fun sharing and chatting with you and just like seeing the progression over these three months and be, being able to kind of talk it out with you because you were with me at the start of this journey and you were like so helpful and, and pushing me to make all these changes that I was terrified about. But I'm so glad that I did. What I'm here for. Um, <laughs> so I would love to continue this conversation and connect with anyone who is listening and thought that the information or the tips that I shared were beneficial and useful. So if you're looking for me, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm most active as of right now. 
And I also have like a link tree on my Instagram that works 80% of the time. (laughs) And so my Instagram is just organized and elementary and it's organized with a Z. I've realized lately that in other countries it can be an S. So organized with a Z in elementary. And I also have a blog, organizedinelementary.com. And if you want to keep up with our classroom community, you can join the Decluttered Classroom Facebook group. I love it. I will definitely link to all of that in the show notes. And thank you for being here. Before you go, any advice to offer somebody who is thinking about changing their niche and hasn't quite made the jump yet? Any last advice for them? Yeah, I would wholeheartedly say jump in and go for it. Don't let fear drive your decision. And instead, let your wildest dreams and aspirations move you forward because you've got this. Of course, I've said this. It was scary, and of course, it took work. But the best gift that you can give a teacher who's struggling with whatever you have to offer is the understanding that you hear them. You are here to help them and they are not alone. And if having a really niche, niche down name and going through all the trouble of changing it is going to provide this clarity and understanding, then that is a win. I love it. Perfect ending. Thank you very much, Erin. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you again to Erin for being on the podcast, for sharing everything with us about switching her niche, making a pivot in her business, and also how to keep our lives sane at school and at home with our businesses and our desks and our bags and all that. She definitely is an expert in all things organization. And if you are still thinking, I don't know what my niche is, or maybe I thought I had a niche, but it's too general. What do I need to do to really niche down a little bit so that I can show up for my audience and have that purpose and that passion and serve them in ways that I didn't think were possible? How can I open the doors to creativity by nailing down my niche? You have got to get in on the free niche mini course. It's dropping April 6th. It's called Nail Your Niche Bootcamp. Four simple steps coming to you through email, really easy. I'm going to walk you through this and then I will have workshops in the Teacher Hustle podcast Facebook group to help you work through any struggles you're having when trying to figure out what your specialty is. What is your thing? What do you want to be known for? We are going to once and for all figure that out so that you can free up kind of open the floodgates to creating your content plan that makes sense to you and makes sense to your audience. So make sure that you get in on that at alissamcdonald.com slash niche. Hey, Teacher Hustle podcast listeners, if you are trying to nail your niche once and for all, if you're trying to really figure out what you are going to show up online and be known for, what is your zone of genius, what is your secret sauce, what are you going to be a thought leader on, what is your passion area, if you need to finally figure this out so that you can get your content strategy really ironed out, you need to get signed up for my brand new free email mini course where we are going to finally nail that niche. We're going to do a niche boot camp of sorts and you are going to get a series of emails that walks you through some steps to figuring out this problem, solving this problem once and for all. By the end of the email mini course, you are going to know exactly what is going to make you stand out online. I'll walk you through it step by step, really simple steps. So make sure you go ahead and get registered for this free mini course at www.alissamcdonald.com slash niche. That's N-I-C-H-E. If you want to call it niche, you can. Okay, I hope to see you over there. Thank you.